Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 42. O give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wonderful works, glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually, remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He is mindful of his covenant partner, of the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When there are few in number, of little account, and strangers in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. When he summoned famine against the land, and broke off every staff of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron, until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord kept testing him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions, to instruct his officials at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt, Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham, and the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes, whose hearts he then turned to hate his people, to deal craftily with their servants. He sent his servant Moses and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They rebelled against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of the kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and lightning that flashed through their land. He struck their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, and young locusts without number. They devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up all the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first issue of all their strength. He then brought Israel out with silver and gold, and there was no one among their tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for covering, and a fire to give light by night. They asked, and he brought quails, and and gave them food from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock, and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. 
2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 22. <clears throat> after the Moabites, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Maonites, came after Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat for battle. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. Already they are at Hazaz Amor, that is, and Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Judah assembled to help seek to seek help from the Lord. From all the towns of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand are power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? They have lived in it, and in it have built you a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry to you in our distress, and you will hear and save. See now the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. They reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment upon them? For we are powerless against this great multitude that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the middle of the assembly. He said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, before the wilderness of Jeruel. This battle is not for you to fight. Take your position, stand still, and see the victory of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. They rose up early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets. When he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy splendor. As they went before the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 through 31. 
Jesus went through one town and village after another, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the owner of the house has got up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then in reply he will say to you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I do not know where you come from. Go away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrown out. Then people will come from east and west, from north and south, and will eat in the kingdom of God. Indeed, some who are last who will be first, and some who are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came to him and said, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Second uh, Chronicles, there's, we cover this kind of uh, not uh, as popular, well-known story about um, a king of Israel that um, is really responsive to the movement of God in uh, in the the congregation. I mean, that's kind of a weird word to use for Israel, but the the community. Um, and it describes, he kind of has a ceremony of lament, uh, which is probably why it's included in the readings for Lent. Um, but then this kind of random person in, in the middle, who happens to descend from the Levites, and there's some special status for that, um, just kind of says, hey, uh, this is what God says. He says, do this thing, trust God, um, the victory will be um, the Lord's on your behalf. And then we come to find out very quickly that part of the plan is to um, mimic at least some part of the Battle of Jericho when they took the land initially. So Jehoshaphat, um, this is the the time of the um, divided kingdom after Solomon when there was some dispute about who was king and um, Israel uh, to the north and Judah to the south. Um, anyway, they we find out that their battle plan is basically like to kind of march behind singers um, who are assigned the duty of praising God in holy splendor. Um, it just kind of stands out like as a defense strategy or a tactic, military tactic. It just seems kind of far-fetched, and yet people did this, and it's premised upon this guy... And, you know, the whole history of Israel believing in God, that God will act, that um, sometimes it isn't what we see or what we think or what we, you know, kind of how we rationalize, but like, just do this thing and trust that God will be there. And that's hard because, um, I mean, we're sensible creatures. We believe what we see, what we can touch, what we can smell. And there's no sense that that's something that God gives um, Israel in this case. Um, and then in the, the New Testament reading from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says again, um, don't do the things the way everybody else does them. 
strive to enter the narrow door. Um, he doesn't... Uh, I mean, you could probably find somewhere where he's kind of borderline, but he never comes out and says, look, you know you're doing right if everybody else isn't doing it and everybody else is you know, mocking you or deriding you because you're doing this thing. You can debate whether or not Jesus says that or not. But here he's, he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Um, and he doesn't say there's a wide door, but by implication, what most people will pursue isn't going to be the right answer. Because he says, many will try to enter, not through the narrow door, I think we can assume, um, and they won't be en- able to enter in this wide door that everybody's going to see and think, oh, that must clearly be the path. Because you'll be left knocking on the door saying, look, hey, um, we we broke bread with you and you prophesied in our streets. But the person who controls the door, um, and it, it opens, the wide door opens, um, the master of the house will say, I don't know who you are, go away, right? Um, and... It's not an explicit passage, but I think the implication and perhaps the reason that these passages were coupled together, um, perhaps we can take from them that um, we don't necessarily or we shouldn't take comfort in numbers. Um, There's this thing that the military helps us do, and that's to think as a group. Um, That's to subordinate um, our own instincts Um, to a greater good that we identify. But that comes with costs, because sometimes groupthink is not good. And the the greatest example is me lie. Um, There's been a number of studies about what happened and why people obeyed a lieutenant's order to uh, commit war crimes, right? To to kill clearly innocent and unarmed uh, non-combatant civilians. Um, And many of these studies, psychological studies after the fact, and interviews and everything, uh, they suggest that these soldiers did it who are otherwise great, fine people, um, but they did it because everybody else was doing it. And if everybody else is doing it and I'm the one person not doing it, what happens, right? And that isn't that necessarily people thought that at the time, but this is the way group think works. Um, everybody's doing something. Everybody's jumping off a bridge. Well, shit, I better do it too. Um, and we we put our moral reasoning on pause. And it's no coincidence that the reason the Milai massacre was stopped was because some person, not a part of that unit, was literally came in from out of nowhere, you know, got outside the box, thought, you know, walked outside the building to try and, you know, tackle a problem without any of the same conditioning or connections to the men that were doing this. He literally flies a helicopter in between the platoon and the village and says, look, I'm going to shoot you uh, if you continue to fire on unarmed civilians. Um, And that man was uh, derided, and I should have looked it up. It would have been easy. I cannot remember his name. Um, I don't think he got a Medal of Honor, but he did get a Distinguished Service Cross, I believe. But immediately, in the short term, uh, his career in the military was basically ended um, he was spoken down upon, um, and it wasn't until, I think like a decade ago, that he finally was awarded this thing. It may have been posthumously. And so we have this history that we inherit as Christians, particularly those who are Gentile Christians, um, that of this encouragement to 
not be like everybody else. Not to take comfort in the idea that, well, certainly everybody, enough people are doing this thing, so it must be right. We are called to go through the narrow door, and not just to go through it, but to seek it out. Um, Because many people will see the easy, wide door that everybody else is going toward. And they'll see people who are walking on another path toward a narrow door, and and that may represent a threat. Um, Maybe they'll ignore you, but you certainly aren't a part of the pack, and that can be a very difficult place. Um, But in these readings this morning, I I hope that we, we might take from them encouragement that um, that God loves the weirdos, that God actually encourages us to think in unique and um, un, unrealistic ways and to follow God wherever God leads, um, even if we have difficulty trusting in the path that we're being led on. Christ in Flanders, a poem by Lucy Vitmel. We had forgotten you were very nearly. You did, not, you did not seem to touch us very nearly. Of course we thought about you now and then, especially in any time of trouble. We knew that you were good in time of trouble, but we are very ordinary men. And there were always other things to think of. There's lots of things a man has got to think of his work, his home, his pleasure, and his wife. And so we only thought of you on Sunday, sometimes perhaps, not even on a Sunday, because there's always lots to fill one's life. And all the while, in street or lane or byway, in country lane and city street or byway, you walked among us and we did not see. Your feet were bleeding as you walked our pavements. How did we miss your footprints on our pavements? Can there be other folk as blind as we? Now we remember over here in Flanders. It isn't strange to think of you in Flanders. The hideous warfare seems to make things clear. We never thought about you much in England, but now that we are far away from England, we have no doubts. We know that you are here. You helped us pass the jest along the trenches, where in cold blood we waited in the trenches. You touched its ribaldry and made it fine. You stood beside us in your pain and weakness. We're glad to think you understand our weakness. Somehow it seems to help us not to whine. We think about you kneeling in the garden. Ah, God, the agony of that dread garden. You know you prayed for us upon that cross. If anything could make us glad to bear it, twould be the knowledge that you willed to bear it. Pain, death, the uttermost of human loss. Though we forgot you, you will not forget us. We feel so sure that you will not forget us. But stay with us until this dream is past. And so we ask for courage, strength, and pardon. Especially, I think, we ask for pardon. And that you'll stand beside us to the last. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's first formation where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for pew pew people with as little as a dollar a month, 
and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.